Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Hey, are we on? It's Friday. We're here. Uh, what's, the, what's today's date? February 6, 2015. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. National Signing Day wrap-up and stuff like that. Is uh, National Signing Day is a talk on the show today. If you want to join us, it is 347-633-9365. As the uh, guy rapping on the intro told you, I don't know who the hell that was. Uh, but again, number 347-633-9365 if you want to join us on the show today. going to talk about several things here. We're going to talk about who the winners and not so much the losers. We're not going to get into that too much, are we, Emil? We're not gonna I don't think you that. can be a loser necessarily on signing day because, you know, I mean, every coach loves their class. We said that before they had signing day. Did you ever hear a coach come on? And say, Jesus, class really suck. Yeah, <laughs> it blows, man. I wish we were going to get this other guy. We didn't get him. So we <laughs> what am I going to do with these turkeys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very rarely does that happen. It's like the Everyone NFL draft, right? I mean, same yes, thing. Oh, we love our draft. draft. Love it. Yes. Yes. Love it. Yeah, and it does. But I will say this: I think I think you can be a loser in terms of not the specific kids you get because. You know, you're not going to say a kid can't be good before he even steps on the field and certainly could get coached up, but I think you could be a loser in terms of um, numbers, maybe not getting enough. Like, I think Michigan had a tough signing day. You know, I'm jumping out of the gate there saying that because I think they needed more bodies there. Just I, mean, I don't even know enough about the kids they got, um, mm-hmm. but I think with the coaching changing, they expect to do a little bit more in terms of, you know, they brought in a big name with Harbaugh. And, and to flip a few kids, and I think they were disappointed in that respect. So I think to some extent you can be a loser like that, but not with in terms of the specific kid. At least that's my feeling. No, and no one would dare, you know, do something like that, you know, get specific on a kid. Um, no, no, I'm just so saying, I mean, you see my point, I picked them out because it stuck with me going in. I thought that they'd flip a few kids. Um mm-hmm. And, and, and their class, I mean, they come in with 14 kids. I mean, that's mm. that's light. Yeah, pretty low. Pretty pretty that's low light. by anyone's standards, no doubt about that. Um, you know, but you didn't have much time to get things done. Um, you know, several several coaching staffs found themselves in that situation. The Florida Gators, one of them, will talk about their recruiting class coming up. Also going to jump on a topic here, Emil, and it is the role of the high school 
football coach in college football recruiting. It is a hot issue, at least down here in the state of Florida. I don't know, uh, you know, what the deal is elsewhere, like in Texas and California or maybe Ohio, but it is a big issue that uh, goes on down here in the state of Florida. You Oftentimes after National Signing Day and even leading up to it, you have uh, some parents and uh, others who are not happy with the efforts by the high school coach in terms of getting a particular player or players uh, recruited by the colleges. So it's something we'll pick up during the show here, and we're on for an hour. You know, we say that, and we often flow over. Well, really and there's another aspect, to an too, that you you, know, you you can include there, is that the high school coaches can also – uh, purposely, if they they fall, if a, a program falls out of favor with them, especially if it's a good enough high school program that they can do this, they, they'll stop letting coaches in the building. <laughs> uh, they can indeed do that, and you know there've been there've been things like that that have uh, <clears throat> gone on for various reasons. You know, uh, the big school down here, that the nationally recognized school from down here, St. Thomas, had a problem with uh, Nick Saban. For a little while, and so they weren't allowing. And Alabama did Petrino just piss piss a high school coach off with that uh, request of a gray shirt on a player like 48 hours before signing day? He did, which is a very very tough thing to do to a kid. But I believe that was in uh, I believe that was in South Carolina. I believe it was yeah, in well, South Carolina. You so got to be careful. You got to be careful what, who you're doing that with. I mean, Petrino says that's just part of recruiting, and I guess to some extent, I can't disagree with him. The nature of this beast is. Unfortunately, it's fluid, and you know it's the one time I will say he's right, and that the co- that it's the one time of year a college program gets to manage their roster a little bit, mm-hmm. and you know it's just the I think the way it's set up. I don't know. I don't have answers for you. I'm just saying I think the way it's set up, it's it is kind of part of the process to a degree. It's not. It's a uh, terrible listen, part of it. Coaches are going to explain anything that they do in recruiting. Yeah, I understand. Part of the process. Yeah, okay, I understand. I'm not saying. Do, listen, so. I'm not saying I'd like it, and if it was my kid, I wouldn't be real happy. I'm not necessarily agreeing with him. I'm just saying that I, I, I see his point, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, before we get into all the recruiting stuff, just, uh, you know, one, a couple of NFL things. Uh, former Bucks GM said he'd draft Marcus Mariota over Jameis Winston. Where are you with that, Emil? Do you, would, would, you know, you're, you're a GM. Um, are you taking Mariota or are you taking, you're taking Winston when you're picking um, My My thing is this. I well, in a vacuum, without talking to to Winston, I mean, it's hard to answer. I mean, I'd like to see what's in the guy's head, but mm-hmm. but just on what I've seen on tape and watching them play, and who I think whose game will translate better at the next level, I would take Winston. Believe it or not, I think it kind of boiled down to what I had on my team as of right now. If I've yeah. got some stability at the quarterback position, I think I may slide to taking Marcus Mariota and maybe have him sit behind the guy that's there, learn the pro game, because he certainly has pro game skills. He just didn't come from that type of uh, scheme in college. But I may get a better long-term benefit by going with Mariota if he doesn't have to go onto the field right now. If I'm one of these teams at the top of the draft and I really need a quarterback, I think i got to go with Jameis Winston. He's more pro-ready. I will definitely agree with that. And just You're always going to have to hold your breath when – you realize this guy's not going to have millions of dollars in his hands. And, well, this you know, sounds crazy to? to fans, but you, it won't sound crazy to you because I know you understand and probably concur with this. I think Maria Oda's pro career is is almost how high he goes, how how well he plays in the pros. It's going to be determined on draft day, and that's 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 tough to say. But because I think if he goes to a place and you just touched on it, where he has to play immediately. I think he could 
could have a very tough time and potentially get ruined. I think he needs to be a guy that comes in, um, tra- helps refine his game a little bit more to what's going to translate to the pros. And I think if he can do that, he'll have a great pro career. But I think if he goes into a place and they just throw him in there, he's going to struggle. Yeah, and let's just keep him away from Rex Ryan any way that we can. Uh, he's not a developer of quarterbacks, as you you may have uh, realized. You know, that's going to have a big part in it, too. You know, what right. uh, what what coach does he come under? You know, he may actually go to a decent team and just be under the wrong coach for, uh, you know, the development of his quarterback skills. People underestimate that whole factor, but that, that does play a big part. Well, in you it. hear these rumors that, you know, Essentially, Chip Kelly, you know, wants to trade up to get him, and you know, I'm looking at that, and I just don't see how the Eagles can do that without doing what the Redskins did to get RG3, where basically you surrender so many. Because I mean, the Eagles are in the 20s to move up and get this guy in the top five picks, you're going to be surrendering multiple number one picks. You know, definitely your pick this year, and potentially your pick for a couple more years. I mean, if you go look at the trade the Redskins did. I mean, you know, only only a stupid franchise is going to let you move into the top five without getting a king's ransom. Emil, I don't think Chip Kelly's long for the NFL. I think he already knows that. Um, as I think about things, I think he just wanted to come up here and see if this whole thing could work. And uh, three years would be enough time to determine whether or not it would. Wouldn't be surprised if he bolted back to, to college football after next season. I don't know what the whole situation is with whatever penalty it was, they levied against them for violations at Oregon. If that stuff's up already or up, you know, at the conclusion mm-hmm. of next season, wouldn't surprise me to see him fall back. It has been something that guys before him have done and uh, have experienced a, a great amount of success going back to college after spending some time in the pros. Steve Spurrier, uh, Nick Saban uh, come to mind. I wouldn't be surprised if he just fell well, back. So he could I don't do whatever agree with on, you. on signing day. But let's operate under the premise that that, you know, since since you and I both are speculating, and I don't disagree, I, I want to operate under the premise that he's staying. And I think if he were to trade up in that scenario and give away either, you know, multiple number one picks or a number one and number two pick, let's say, and then some roster players that are, you know, starter quality, you know, say, you know, whatever, a defensive end or a receiver to someone, I think he's going to hurt the Eagles long term. I'm not sure that's where he wants to go. He's going to be bringing in a guy that, although he may think the guy can play immediately, I just, just because he has that same offense, I don't think Mariota is just going to come in and light up the NFL. I hope he doesn't go to uh, Philadelphia and uh, play in that offense. But uh, enough on that because we will have uh, Can we talk about the police blotter before we move on? Because remember, the, the offseason started. The police blotter's out. Well, what what happened now? Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Joseph Randall of the Cowboys, the backup running back, Mr. What Sticky Fingers. Yeah, did he steal something else? He, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's got that out of his system. Now, now, he, now he got arrested for some pot possession. Do we even report that stuff anymore? I mean, they're it all counts. High, the league, listen, the league still, you know, here's the here's the problem this guy's got going on is the league takes it, you know, very seriously. He's on his second arrest when he's only in the league a couple of years. That's usually not a good way to start your NFL career. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, it is the off season, so let's just get ready. For and we have that Packer lineman who was arrested, went after the cops, the big 310-pound guy. 
I think oh, he. I'm not even going to get into all that. He had a lot of weed with him, though. He was getting charged with the uh, distribution. <laughs> like I said, we don't even need to report on that, you know, kind of stuff anymore. Okay, so, well, you, know. you don't want to go in the blotter. Yeah, I'm going to stay off the blotter. I mean, we'd <laughs> fill it up with all kind of names and everything else. I mean, the NFL probably mirrors life at this point in time. So, how about the is, Seahawks have two guys played in that Super Bowl with serious issues? Like. Well, Chancellor had a, a a tear of his MCL and he played in the game. Yeah, and and uh, Thomas had the torn labrum. Man, those guys are legion of boo. Man, they play ball. They don't care about anything. Oh, I'll tell you what. Plus, I mean, <laughs> plus Sherman was, you know, they're serious injuries, man. They hurt. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, well, listen. I don't care what they were injured and nothing hurt more than seeing that ball flying into Butler's hands uh, and realizing he didn't play for their team. All right, nothing <laughs> hurt more than that. I'll tell you that right now. All right. Uh, it is, what are we, at 10, 12 a.m. Eastern Time. And as of right now, uh, the understanding is that C.C. Jefferson, uh, the uh, highly regarded defensive end, um, has not yet, has not yet faxed in his letter of intent to the University of Florida. So the uh, Now, do you know, I mean, Jefferson I know what I've heard is the story there. Do you know the whole story there? Because here, here's what I've heard. Tell me what I'm wrong with what you know or if this is what you all you've heard. My understanding is the mm-hmm. the young guy wants to play for Florida. Yes. Mom wants him to play for Florida. Yes. Dad not so high on that. Right. Okay, so that that that's what you've heard as well. You've got no other information for me other than that's the that's the deal at this point. That that is the story at this point, and uh, all I'd heard leading up to this was that Dad was a huge Florida Gators fan. So what happened in between that and now? Mm. I have absolutely positively. Uh, no idea. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe, maybe uh, yeah, I'm just speculating again. I don't know. Maybe he f- has a vibe he doesn't like what he's feeling there, and he's just trying to put the brakes on a little. I mean, if he's a fan, I mean, of the team, it's not like he's saying, "Hey, I want you to go to Florida State because I, you know, I, I got my my seven old pom poms out here." I mean, you, no. Well, the saying, story is goes like this. Or at least the story coming out of uh, the father is that. Um, you know, as you may or may not know this, and, um, you know, we'll, I'll inform the listeners now, is that the defensive line coach for Florida um, has uh, taken another job with the Miami Dolphins. He did so on signing day, um, or it was announced on signing day. Yeah. So they're saying, uh, you know, this change is, uh, you know, there's too many coaching changes, something uh, along those lines, but then it's also being reported that all uh, of the potential signees for Florida knew of this change coming a week before signing day. So it just boils down to which side do you uh, believe in. Either way, Emil, there wasn't much time to develop any kind of a relationship no. with Coach Terrell Williams uh, because he'd only been there for, you know, at the most a month leading up to this. So people are rather suspect of that being the case or the reason. And listen, I've said this all along. You're committing to a school, not to a coach. You are extremely lucky if you go to any one of these big schools and you have the same coach, yeah. uh, assistant position coach, for the entire time that you're there. Well, you it won't because here's the thing. If you're having any any modicum of success, the, the head coach may stay. I mean, if he's especially, you know, you and I did a whole show highlighting the ten schools we thought were destination places. If you're at a destination school, the head coach may stay your whole four years because hell, he doesn't want to leave. It's a, it's a, it's his last and dream job. But the, if he's doing a good job, his assistants are going every year. Yeah, they're going to rotate in and out of there. So I think kids need to wrap their mind around that. You're extremely fortunate if you have the same head coach and position coach for 
four or five years that you're out of school. Just typically but don't you think some of this is, is, is a little bit crummy? And you know, you, the Jefferson's situation, I guess, is different. But that kid from Georgia that you and I, I guess, had texted about Roquan Smith. I mean, the mm-hmm. kid, the kid goes to the podium. Uh, you know, they said all along, you know, he's a Georgia kid. Um, he mm-hmm. said his heart was always with Georgia, but his mind, for some reason, whatever that means, was telling him UCLA. Mm-hmm. He had a very awkward signing ceremony, almost almost like O.J. putting Spent on the gloves. Spent an hour digging in that bag. Yeah, I mean, it was like O.J. when he had to put that glove on, on the trial, and he was trying he, he was like pulls out the UCLA gloves after he puts them on. And then I guess the, the reporters, the story I got was somehow in speaking with them, I guess they had asked the question, so how do you feel about, you know, the, your position coach at UCLA announcing, you know, being the defensive you know, coordinator, not the position defensive coach. coordinator, announcing today that he's going to the the Falcons as a position coach. And I guess the University of Georgia was feverishly trying to contact him to let him know that. But I think it's if he really didn't find out until that day, I think that's kind of crummy. I mean, they they uh, have an it, idea. It is it is crummy, Emil. It is the game of college football right now. It is the game of college football recruiting. And I also want to say this: If the kid's from Georgia and he wants to go to UCLA, man, is that about is that about a coach? Is that about a person? I mean, you, want you to don't go to know, UCLA Chad. I mean, from Georgia, Chad, these kids I mean, are young; they're impressionable. You coach. I mean, kids get attached. I mean, even when you know when you and I I'm were kids in high school. I'm telling them not to do that. They, I, listen, I understand. You're telling them. They got to be them. aware, Emil. Emil, they got to be aware. They got to see all these coaches moving around. If you've been in this, if you've been playing high school football for uh, four years, all right, because he uh-huh. had to have, and you're paying any amount of attention at all. You're likely a guy that's going, that's choosing between schools like UCLA and Georgia has been getting recruited uh, at the least two years, three years. You had to have been paying some kind of poten- um, attention and see that coaches are moving left and right. You Can I make, make a point that probably isn't lost on you? Person. Can I make a point that probably isn't lost on you, but, you, but, but you're not saying? And I don't know where this young man's from in Georgia. He could be from Atlanta. I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. but there's a significant difference between a high school kid in Miami or LA mm-hmm. and a kid who grew up in the sticks of Alabama or Georgia as to what they see, understand. I mean, you've got kids like in Miami and like look at Marshall out in LA. The kids producing a video to make his announcement. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've got another. So what are you kid saying they're these. less savvy in say Georgia well, as opposed yeah, to these just, other places? Listen, the world is different in different places. Where I live, it's a small community. You know, if, if, if I had never traveled and I left here, I'd be in culture shock, okay? I mean, mm. you, you, I think some kids are more aware because of how they were exposed to stuff at an earlier age. And I'm not saying that is or isn't the case with him. I don't know the, the player. But what I am saying is they get attached to a coach. Maybe there's an immediate connection and the kid goes for the wrong reason. I agree. If you're going across the country from Georgia to UCLA, you better be in love with the school because that coach, there's a good chance, like you said, he's not going to be there for four years. Uh, exactly what I'm saying. And I have to think if a kid um, from Georgia wants to go to UCLA, uh, in my mind that has to probably be more about the school. It has to be about being in L.A. And well, apparently so it wasn't different. because I think he this kid seemed to have a real – attachment whether it was schematically he liked what the coach told him he's going to do or personality wise he just liked the coach i don't know but i mean that was that was like put, throw the brakes on this immediately i mean i think the kid it seems to me from what i've read and seen and heard interviews he seems torn in that i think he really 
understands that he's probably better off closer to home. He seems like that type of kid. But I think there's also a, a side of him that wants to go out to L.A. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And I yeah, think- well, that's uh, and that saga continues as far as I know. I, don't, you know I, I like it better when the kids fax the letter in and then they go on TV and make their announcement or uh, go in the auditorium and make their announcement. Uh, not this whole, I'm going to make an announcement, then I'll send the papers in. That's looking like a really, really bad deal, and they've got to do a better job with that. When we get back, Matt, we'll talk more about some of the other sagas that unfolded. You know, listen, I said it on the pre-signing day show. I um, was expecting some hijinks, and boy, did we get it. It may be the most that we've ever gotten, and this is going to continue, and I'll tell you why when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show after this. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, Print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. 
The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Absolutely staggering, Emil. I think you and I both know, and everyone out there listening knows that uh, Tiger Woods is a rich man. There's no disputing that. Uh, golf has done him really, really well. Do you have any idea how well? I think he's worth about take $500 a, million, if I had to guess. Take a stab at what he's earned over his career. Over his career? Yeah. Which started in 1996. Earned? Okay, this, we're not talking worth. We're talking just earnings. I'm going to say he probably earned about $800 million. The number is $1.37 billion. Billion. Okay, that makes some sense because I've heard he's worth about $500 million, so after you pay your taxes and spend some of it. All. That's, ama- that's amazing out there. So all of you out there fighting about uh, trying to get your kids to play pro football someday, man. Maybe a couple of you might want to grab a golf club. Tiger Woods, uh, since, since 1996, has uh, earnings on the course, on the course, of $155 million. And we have to tell you how much, those, how much he made. How about what he's made off the course is staggering. Yeah, $1.2 billion uh, off the course. But his body's as messed up. His body's as messed up as some of those football players. I mean, he's got bad knee, bad this, bad that. I don't think he'd trade the money in, my friend. His biggest earning year off the course, 2009, mm-hmm. $100 million in one single year off the course. It was also uh, his best year or one of his best years on the course. His second maybe, he can, maybe he can get a gig course. being the spokesman for farmers only or something. Yeah, something, but <laughs> Good Lord, $1.3 billion. That is absolutely amazing. I'll tell you Last what. Year, his worst year on course. Do you remember when he was rolling and winning the majors all the time? You know, when he was yeah. a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember saying, as someone, I played golf and through high school, and you know, I kind of stopped as I got older. I was, I was pretty good. I said mm-hmm. to somebody, you know, he's going to be hard for him to catch Jack Nicklaus. Mm-hmm. And this was when he was at about 12, and he was probably thir- not even 30. And they looked at me. Like, I was nuts. I mean, Nicholas had only 18, they said. You know, I said, well, I said, you get married and you get north of 30, you know, things start to happen. Your focus goes to other things. You start to, you know, lose a little bit, and even in golf. You know, I know you can play till you're 60 or 70, but, you know, it's different. You know, you lose a little bit of a putting stroke and different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this guy, I remember him looking at me like I was nuts. Well, it looks like I might be prophetic because he's at 14 now. And those last four are going to be a real challenge for him to get to Ty Nichols. Yeah. $1.37 billion. He doesn't care, though, because Jack didn't make $1.37 billion. Good grief. That's amazing. All right, getting back into the college football recruiting thing. 
we did have a couple of uh, you know interesting stories. We already touched on one. CC Jefferson uh, had the big uh, you know signing day ceremony on ESPN. It was done outdoors. Amazingly, I, you don't see a whole bunch of those done that way picnic carnival festival everything going on around him and uh throws on a university of florida gators hat says he's going to be a gator well you know not so fast dad's holding things up and we've uh, touched on that and as of now we still do not have those papers in he wasn't alone his good friend byron cowart also defensive end from the state of florida and you know he's a common theme with this thing um signs with auburn and then for several hours the uh, papers don't get vexed to Auburn, and they go on the whole watch, um, you know, looking for the papers. Are the papers in? They didn't get faxed. And uh, he was torn between Florida and Auburn and going back and forth. And then uh, some uh, talk about the high school coach standing in the way of that whole, uh, you know, getting the papers to Auburn. I guess he wanted them to go to Florida, which, by the way, the uh, high school coach's son is a uh, – is a coach at the University of Florida. So, That's just a coincidence. Yeah, well, it is. <laughs> but you had all that. You had you had all that going on. So um, just one, a couple of the sagas. I mean, so you had you had three. Wait, I have situations. a question for you because you did this. Why the hell, if you're 18 or 19 years old, mm-hmm. do your parents have to sign off on this? They they can send you to a, a foreign country to war. Yeah. Well, you know, some of these guys are not. 18, and that's why the parents have to sign. They don't have to sign if they're 18. Oh, okay. So, yeah, because uh, I'm I thinking to myself, I mean, I don't think mom's going to sign off on you going over to Iraq. So why the hell would you have to sign off on you going to college if you're 18? Yeah, I mean, uh, an interesting way of looking at it. Well, not even interesting. It's a simple way of looking at it. We can send them to go jump out of a out of I'm a, a simple man. And, I yeah, look at well, things simply. There you go. Yeah, well, that is uh, those are three situations that we got going on, or, or not going on anymore. In, in Coward's case, the letter did make its way to Auburn, and so he's in the barn, as they say. Um, but let's talk about what went down with uh, in terms of the top teams in the country. And I appreciate you. It's good when you have a co-host that's an accountant. Went out and did some. Well, why don't we work explain on. this first of all a little bit? I mean, you know, there's as far I'll as leave maybe. That to you. Well, maybe you have other ones, too, so I'm going to ask you to chime in if I'm missing something. Basically, my understanding and following this for years now is essentially there's there's four what I would call major services that, that rank these kids and you know rank these classes. Uh, Rivals.com being one of them, been around for a while. Um, ESPN, of course, has their own scouting department for college football. Scout.com. And now 247 Sports, which I believe is affiliated with CBS, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um Every service has a couple factors. One, of course, they view the kids differently. I mean, sure, you know, one one service might have a kid as a five-star, another as a four. They rank them from one to 100, one to 300, all that good stuff. So that's going to change the rankings based on how they view the player. And then secondly, they all weight it differently. They assign points. Um, I think scout for years was basically their point system. Really, it was helped tremendously if you just had more recruits. So, in other words, if I had 18 recruits and you had 26, chances are you'd have a better class. Uh, their premise being that, yes, we rank these kids, but at the end of the day, you have a better chance of getting more good players out of 26 than you do out of 18 just because you're going to be wrong on some. Other services, uh, and I think Rivals was one of them, 
put more weight in on, on uh, the quality that versus the quantity. So if they say a kid's a five-star, you're getting far more weight for getting a five- or a four-star than you are for getting, say, six three-stars. Okay, so mm-hmm. that goes into it. So what we did here, and I say we because, you know, it's a team effort, we took all four services and generated the class ranking by each service and then came up with an average, simply put, you know, so, you know, we have a composite class ranking based on the four major services, which is probably a, a pretty good way to do it because you're getting a, a cross-section of, of how they feel about a player, how they're doing their system, and it probably gives you a pretty good idea of the general feel for each class. Uh, would you agree? Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting to see a couple of these uh, were way off from the others, you know. And we'll go through these rankings here. Well, we'll, we could talk about it. Let's do the composite, and we'll talk about any real big swings in a particular when we get, like, you know, uh, for instance, and in the composite, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, who one or two was going to be in the way it came out. It, uh, Alabama edged out uh, USC for the number one class in our composite rankings. I mean, Alabama basically uh, had two number one classes of the four major services and two number twos. So it gave them an average of one and a half. It was the lowest number, which is where you want to be in something like this. Yeah, and your boys your boys came in there at number two, which is why I suspect this whole exercise was done. Not accusing Well, I mean, I could have went down and said they were number one on rivals. I don't care about them. Yeah, well, uh, you care more than you want to let on here. But you I don't care, but I'm saying it was, this exercise, they were going to get mentioned real high regardless. I just think it yeah, was a good do, way. They to... do a good job. They do a good job recruiting, no question about it. USC does a pretty good job of keeping uh, – the top talent in um, in California in in their backyard. They're doing a good job with that, despite not winning any recent championships. They're still bringing in top talent from the California area, and you got to give them credit for well, that. Well, the handcuffs According were taken to, off this year, and I think you see the USC brand is still strong right, after you know right. a five-year period. So here's how they period. finish: no, number one in rivals, number three with ESPN, number one with Scout. Number four, I mean, number two with 247 Sports. That and why don't you cover Alabama to go across for people, where Alabama finished in each one. Two with rivals, one with ESPN, two with Scout, one with 247, giving them uh, a, court, a total of one and a half and uh, made them number one. USC's average came out to 1.75. How about that surprise at number three? Well, you, you hit on this. I'm going to give you some credit because you said this a while ago and, um, you know, Obviously, I'm going to stay true to this. I I probably think that the the four team is really three because there's you're going to talk about this. There's a real outlier on the next team, but number three was Tennessee, and you know you said this a while ago when you visited them. You you liked what Butch Jones was doing. You thought they were in the right direction, um, and and sure enough, they come in at number three because of a you know a mathematical glitch. We'll explain, but they they got two number fives from rivals and ESPN. Two number fours from Scout and 247, giving them a four and a half average. And the math is, and if we, you know, I could have done this a bunch of different ways and dropped the lowest grade, and that might have even been a good way, but I don't want to put that much effort into it. Um, mm-hmm. Florida State came in at four, but only because, and you, you had mentioned this in the first, beginning of the segment, they got an 11 from Scout. Yeah, Florida but Scout State screwed them boys. Screwed them bad. I mean, I don't know what Scout didn't like about their class, and I, I really didn't dig into it enough to see if they had specific players that they totally disagreed on. But the, if Rivals had them at three, and Rivals has been, I mean, I think Mike Farrell there, they've done a good job for a long time. So I, I put some stock in Rivals. I know the ESPN group, just from reading their stuff throughout the year, I get that insider. Mm-hmm. I like them. They have them at two. And 247, don't know much about them. Um, they have them at three. But somehow, Scout has them at number 11, 
which which yeah. gave them a 4.75 average and put them at number four. Nothing wrong with number four anyway, but I think they probably mo- most people would agree had one of the top three classes. They they got yeah. six five stars. That eleven, that eleven, no doubt hurt them. Uh, Auburn comes in at number five. They were, you know, much of the talk on signing day on ESPN and around, just in general because of uh, you know the the them acquiring the top player in the country and Byron Cowart, the number one overall, and then their whole battle back and forth with the uh, University of Florida with uh, you know Will Muschamp and assistant coach. Uh, Tavares Robinson heading over there in the battle yeah. they had back and forth. They ended up number five. Um, Rivals had them at six, ESPN at seven, Scout three, and 247 at nine. Yeah, fairly um, consistent. I mean, five is probably where they belong. If you look at those grades, you got a nice, you know, uh, low and a high, and, you know, they probably ended up right where they, you know, a three and a nine is the low and the high. And so you probably, you know, five's probably accurate for them. Yeah, we don't really have time to analyze all of these, but going through them real quick, Urban Meyer, uh, number six. I don't know. Is that kind of is that kind of low for a team that just won a championship, or do they get the residuals on that the year after? I don't really. I don't know. You know, I think world. they might get. Yeah, I, I think it's hard because you know you win a championship, the season ends in early to second week of January, and you're going to sign kids three weeks later. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, winning helps. It's a great sanitizer, as they say, but, you know, it's hard to flip a kid in three weeks. I mean, is there anything wrong with being the number six? Let's put it this way. You're number six class. you got a lot of good players. Uh, no doubt about it, and it's Ohio yeah. State, so that's just going to happen anyway. I mean, they could go six and six and come up with a pretty good class. They've always been very good at recruiting. Georgia continues to get top talent in there. Um, but can never like get over the mountaintop and turn that into a championship. And I'm not one to be calling for a guy's job. I love that Georgia has maintained uh, some stability at their coaching position uh, for quite some time. But uh, just one to point out, they get top players every year. They're usually in the top ten in recruiting classes and uh, just has not equated into an SEC or, uh, or, or you know, an uh, – I want to say a national championship. No, but they're and, there every uh, year. I mean, they're, and I think that that's that's going to be part of you know. It seems like the, the whatever the administration there is okay with that because he's been there a while. Um, yeah, he always brings in a ton of talent and always sends a ton of talent to the NFL. So I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I would expect a little more on field, but I guess they're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same could be said about the next guys, Clemson. Um, who finish eight in in uh, the composite ranking? Well, wait, let's pull together. apart this class a little bit because this is one that really confused me. Again, scout. I don't. I mean, I'd love to. You know, you have connections. Maybe someday you can get these guys on uh, one of their guys and ask them how specifically on some of these classes that why they had them so much lower and they could explain it to the listeners. That'd be great. I'm not sure if you know anybody, but they rivals had them at number four, ESPN number four. Two four seven number eight. Okay, that's fairly consistent. You're in that range. Mm-hmm. Scout has them at number fifteen. Yeah, they're they're obviously using some kind of factor there that there's, there's some kind of special sauce being used over there at uh, Scout that you know we're just not aware. No, of. I mean but, I mean it's like they got Tabasco sauce on that. Yeah. Another big special sauce. <laughs> yeah, another big outlier there for uh, for Scout.com in in these rankings. Um, LSU number nine, and then uh, Texas. 
Charlie Strong's first is that his first real full recruiting yeah, class? Yeah, their numbers, both those schools were pretty consistent across the board. You know, LSU is as high as five and as low as twelve. Uh, Texas is as is, uh, as as low as you know as high as number seven, as low as number twelve. So basically, probably where they belong. You know, I, mean, I don't have a problem with those classes. I think they did. You know, the numbers kind of play out nine or ten. Again, good classes. Yeah, uh, UCLA number eleven. I, I see Oklahoma down here at fifteen. Is that's not somewhere they're used to being? Is there some luster coming off of Oklahoma? Well, you know. You, I'll have to dig this up. I, I think your perception may be wrong here, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's definitely wrong, but Oklahoma is one of those programs that, because they win so much, I think people assume they're always in the top five or six recruiting, but they're not. If you, I mean, if we go back four or five years, pretty much Oklahoma is in that 10, 11, 12, and maybe as low as 15 this year category. They get really good players, but, but Texas has always – brought in generally better classes in Oklahoma, but not have the same make, results. What do you make of Oregon being uh, so low down as 17? Oh, actually, see, I had a different take on this. If you look at Oregon most years, they're a school that's done well with their system. And I think if we go pull up some of their classes, they had winning years where they used to be in the 20s. I actually see this as a win for Oregon getting into the top 20. I mean, it sounds um, crazy to people. Yeah, well, uh, you know, obviously their whole deal is developing players in the system that they run. They're more system than they are um, individual athletes. I was surprised Notre Dame good. wasn't higher. Notre Dame came in right. I mean, UCLA did a nice job getting in there at 11. You mentioned them. Mm. Um, they were as high as number six and as low as 13. So 11 is probably where they belong. They had a nice class. It kind of got overshadowed by USC's, but they had a good class. Um, Notre Dame at 12, nothing wrong with 12. I mean, you're getting good players, but I kind of expected them to be a little higher. Uh, perhaps, you know, they can't be up there all the time, especially since they're not cranking out championships at Notre Dame. And it is, uh, difficult as it has been How about pointed Penn out State? to get yeah, Let's throw some love up there. You skip Penn State. The people here who listen, uh, are going to say, how, how could you do a show with your friend from Florida and not get in something for our Lions? I mean, Penn State got the handcuffs off them. They were on uh, probation for, what was it? Two years. Uh, the NCAA gave them an early get out of jail card free. Time served, um, isn't that nice? Time served, yeah. Uh, and they came in at 14 here, and it was pretty much, they were one of the more consistent ones right across the board, 15, 14, 13, 14. So everybody kind of felt mm-hmm. they did a nice job. Don't you, you kind of impressed with that? Franklin can recruit. Well, I know he can recruit. And, you know, a guy came from Vanderbilt, for crying out loud, where he was able to get players. So it yeah. stands to reason that he'd be able to do it at Penn State. If you can recruit at Vanderbilt, you could recruit Anywhere. So, uh, and to your point, I, I am a little surprised Oklahoma's not a tad bit higher. I mean, to find them at 15 in this behind a school like Penn State, who's had the issues they've had, um, is surprising. And, uh, you know, maybe the luster's off, uh, or, you know, maybe Charlie Strong's been picking off kids. You know, you got to remember now, Oklahoma's getting it from both directions. Texas A&M is, is going up into that corridor of Dallas and southern Oklahoma you know, Tornado Alley, as they call it, and, and taking kids. Texas is certainly doing it because they've always done it. And, you know, so now you're getting, you're getting a little bit more competition for some of these these players, too, for them. Yeah, no no doubt, and we'll have to continue to monitor that. Of note to uh, most of the local listeners down here, Florida ends up at 23, which I don't know where they were going into this thing with eight commits. They were in the 60s. I mentioned it on the previous show, 60s or 70s. They only had a few recruits. I mean, Florida came on strong at the end. If they can keep Jefferson 
I think by getting, oh, how do you say his name? Is Martez the tackle? Am I correct? Yeah, Martez. I, by yeah. getting Martez and Jefferson, I think it really gives credibility to this coach um, because to come in and nab two players that were pretty much universally viewed as top 10 players, top 15 in the country, mm-hmm. um, I think that's you know just a great job at the end. And I would not be disappointed at all if they can keep that kid and end up in the 20s. They did a yeah. great job from where they were. And uh, rounding out, I'll talk about this. University of Miami finished 27th, uh, according to what you have here. And let's just jump into the classes real quick. We'll start with Miami. Uh, People have expressed some disappointment in what they were able to do down here. I think the disappointment built up leading up to the National Signing Day because you had uh, 13 decommitments out of this class, and they were pretty good players. Uh, The biggest of note being Jordan Scarlett flipping from Miami to the University of Florida, uh, very well sought after and regarded running back from St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, What they do end up with here is, according to uh, Al Golden, head coach, is that they filled some needs, and one of those was offensive line. They did lose several offensive linemen. They replaced them with six um, offensive linemen, uh, biggest being uh, Tyree St. Louis from IMG Academy, who some thought may indeed flip to uh, the University of Florida, who's out shopping really hard for linemen. Can I say something, uh, though, to make the, some uh, Miami folks feel a little bit better? I mm-hmm. think people get get into the whole star rating way, way too much. Um, don't get well, me you wrong, know, the I star mean, rating was created for fans. I mean, if they don't get into it, there's no point of having it. That's who it's for. I understand, and listen, I understand it also is an indication of, based on film, what people think of a kid, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, you want to get better players. I'm oh, a you fan. would I think let, it's based on film. Not you would that. hope. Um, I, look, look, wait, I'm not trying to – I get excited getting better players, or so I perceive it, okay? But here's here's where I got into it the other day on a message board. Not into it, but trying to explain to a, a USC fan that was going off, why did we blue shirt a three-star kid when – we could just get another kid next year that's got a higher rating, blah, blah, blah. I said, first of all, I explained to him, I said, stop. Specifically, I said, Javarius Allen, you and I talked about that. He went to USC as a three-star player. Mm-hmm. You think he did pretty good? Well, yeah, but you can't go through cherry-picking like that. You know, No, but what I'm, trying, what I'm trying to but, say is you gotta, you can't. In other words, it's it's about two things. Sure, you want better players, but you've also got to develop them. I'm just saying. I think people get real caught up in, you know. I know you know Miami and Florida recruiting because you follow the kids, and I know my team. I could go over the years. I mean, Leonard Williams went out there as a four star. Now four star is good, but hell, I would say he probably left a five star. What do you think? Uh, yeah, and there's there's no question about it. And listen, of course, developing players. I'm I'm really really big on that part of it. Um, and, and when you look at classes like Boise State, who pulled in the 64th best class in the country, according to rivals, this is where they hang out every year in terms of star ratings. Yet they're uh, up there in wins every single year. And they're year. producing NFL players. It's not just that they're winning with some goofy system. And you could say, well, hey, you know what? It's nice. They have a goofy system like a Navy, and they win games. No, but they're producing NFL-caliber players all over. They're all yeah. over the NFL. Yeah, so they do a fine job there. So, you know, if you can get a good mixture on your coaching staff between guys who can coach and guys who could pull in top talent, well, then I think you've got something. something now, I'm, I'm troubled a little bit by Miami. Able to do. Miami troubles me in that 
you know, I'm used to looking at this board I have in front of me, and I usually, my favorite service has always been Rivals. I like the way it's laid out, really, more than mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And it just littered Miami with mostly three-star players. Now I'm used to seeing a, a whole bunch of them, you know, better players, and you may be able mm-hmm. to go through this yourself someday mm-hmm. and explain to me some of these guys are probably better than they're showing on here because you've mm-hmm. seen them play. But I'm just saying I'm used to seeing more from Miami, and they only signed 19 kids, so. Yeah, the biggest concern for me and for many down here is the number of out-of-state kids that make up a part of this. When uh, you know, most of us down here know the uh, kind of talent that exists in South Florida. Uh, why is there such a deep movement outside of Florida to go pick up well, players? Well, fans don't. Miami, you understand that. A lot of fans don't understand that. Now they understand it this year because Miami didn't have a great class. But say Miami had finished in the top 15, but the com- the comp you know the com- composition of the the uh, roster was mostly out of state i'd still be concerned see to me when you're in three places my florida being one california and texas when i go down your list you can cherry pick kids from different regions to fill a need or a top player but by and large the most of your kids should be from your area you shouldn't have to leave well let's just take a look at that when we're talking about texas okay uh, you know, how many, well, I don't even know what the number is, but as you go through it, it's Texas, 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 all up and down this roster. Yeah, they did go outside. They did grab two kids from, oh, actually four kids from Florida. Uh, but the majority of the roster is going to be Texas kids, and, uh, and and that's the case. This particular coach, Charlie Strong, we're talking about, went outside of Texas, I think, more than anyone else ever has, to be quite honest with you, and that's probably the result of having a coach who's coached several other places and made some time. Well, and to uh, that point, I was trying to explain that again. To some, you know, The UCLA class was very good, but one thing that I see with UCLA the last two years, for the success they've had on the field, somehow it hasn't resonated with recruiting because, yes, they've got good classes, but they still, on signing day, are losing out on the players from that part of California. Um, and that's been something they've... Uh, always had to deal with real real quick let's jump over to the university of florida's class as you said they were sitting there with eight committed athletes going into this thing um for most of it let me say they did start picking yeah. up some late commitments um and flew from 60 whatever up to up to you know 23 which is where they ended up uh at rivals and and even in your composite now and by uh, the way with florida i don't hold the same uh, criteria as I do with Miami and Florida State. Miami and Florida State are both embedded much deeper into the state of Florida. Florida just sits up there, and they're 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 right there. I consider Georgia, and naturally they have a big rivalry with Georgia. I consider Georgia Florida recruiting territory. So just to be clear, maybe I'm maybe you think I'm nuts, but like I see a bunch of Georgia kids on this. I have no problem with that. To me, that's that's Florida's area right up there on that border. Yeah, they can kind of grab from the the north and the south of them. I'm noticing that Florida's ranked 23rd by rivals, and they don't have C.C. Jefferson in the class. Ain't committed, not yet signed. I don't know how that works with their ranking. He's counted in the numbers. Um, They haven't taken him off their list yet because he's given no indication um, that's as big of a deal. It seems like I I think they factor in, like, for instance, and we'll use the other kid we talked about in the first segment. If you Mm -hmm. click on the UCLA class, Smith is no longer included on rivals. Because it, it basically, there's strong indication that 
I, I think they have an idea that he probably isn't going to sign there or something because they've pulled him off. They don't even have him in committed, not signed. Mm-hmm. He's basically opened up his recruiting again, where I think Jefferson is having a problem with dad, but he hasn't looked anywhere else from what I understand. Yeah, and he's uh, made statements on Twitter that would suggest that he's really uh, still strong to, to the Florida Gators. Right, but, so that he's still uh, in the number. That jump out. Yeah, some things that jump out, obviously, on the uh, on the Florida. Looking at Florida here is um, they did take in a couple of two-star athletes, and it's going to be interesting to see how they develop this staff is. Um, you know, comprised of guys that have a reputation of developing players. So they've got a linebacker named Rashad Jackson out of Norland High School, who's a two-star according to Rivals, and another one out of Miami from Miami Central named Kevonis Davis, who's also a two-star. So it's going to be interesting down the road years from now to see how uh, these guys develop and, and, you know, what what level of participation they have here. And two-star, two Chad, star. let me ask you something, because I thought I really – two-star would basically suggest, as far as they're concerned, it's a one-double-A player, according to what they think, right? Uh, more than likely, they would – maybe not necessarily so. Maybe a lower-tier Division One player, but, yeah, also st- stretching into uh, FCS. Um, but, you know, it's it, going to be interesting to see what they're able to turn these players into at the University of Florida. So – uh, definitely interesting there. And then also being able to go down into uh, the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area and pull more out of there, I think, than they have in the past. Um, I think I'm counting five players from that area. They got one from, uh, looks like, well, they got Callaway from Miami, got Davis, as I mentioned, from Miami, Desir Jones, a late lineman they picked up from St. Thomas from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, also pick up the uh, one of the two stars, Rayshard Jackson from Miami-Norland. Um, and they also pick up Jordan Scarlett, the, the big flip that they had late in the recruiting process from Fort Lauderdale. So to they me, went down into South Florida and got some players. Florida and Miami's classes, to me, are night and day, even though one sits at 23 in our rankings and one at 27. Um, mm-hmm. Florida, from where they came with the coaching change and everything, to me, they were a bit – if you're saying a winner on signing day, they mm-hmm. were a winner because they could have easily been Michigan. I mean, Michigan had the same situation, changed the coach. And Michigan had a class of 14 only. So, um, you, you know, I think Florida did a good job. If I'm Miami, I'm troubled by this. I mean, they, they, they as you said, they had a lot of decommits. It's just, it's, it's troubling. 19 recruits. I think it coincides with the current situation there right now, especially with the uh, coaching position where um, a lot of fans are calling for the players, I mean, for the staff to be fired. Um, and when this stuff starts getting on to Facebook and Twitter and, you know, these it's a funny thing that goes on with fans. You know, they they say, um, oh, you know, this stuff doesn't have an effect on a player, and it shouldn't have an effect. If a player is going to change his mind based on something that's being said in social media, well, they're weak anyway. All the while, they're trying all that they can to influence a player by making comments to him on Twitter. So what is it? Why are you making these comments and trying to influence a player if you're, on the other hand, saying that, uh, this should have no effect on what it is they're doing. Because they're fans. Normally. They don't know any better. You said it a long time ago. You know, sometimes you get a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you know, if you want to help Miami suck, be a Miami fan and keep flying banners over the stadium t- uh, about firing the coach. You're, you're going to keep Yeah, you it. can't complain about the, the recruiting class if you took part in, uh, you know, pulling the team down in social media or participated at all in flying a banner uh, over the stadium or boycotted going to the games and had the stadium looking the way that it did on senior night when they were taking on Pittsburgh. You can't now turn around and complain 
about the class. Let's slide real quick over to Florida State, who uh, once again has pulled in some of the top talent in the country. I want to say they they uh, may have yanked in the most five stars. I could be wrong on that. but Depends on uh, who you're looking at, but they certainly on rivals, uh, they had five of them. And yeah. uh, then uh, USC and Alabama and Tennessee had four, and LSU had four, according to rivals. So definitely, right. you know. Real quick, the five stars, George Campbell, wide receiver uh, from Tarpon Springs, Tavares McFadden, cornerback uh, from American Heritage, um, Jacquez Patrick, running back from Timber Creek out of Florida, Josh Sweat, defensive end, who tore his ACL, by the way, so he's not going to be able to participate right away from them. They're hoping that when he comes back, he snaps right back into into form, and also Derwin James. But Let's see what they were able to do down in South Florida. They came down and got Calvin Bruton from Miami, Florida. That's that's one. I'm just talking Dayton, Broward County. Shamar Kirby Lane from Hallandale Beach. That's two. Uh, get McFadden from American Heritage. That's three out of my, uh, Dayton, Broward County. Devontae Phillips from Miami Central. That's four. So, you know, even they come down there and, and grab, you know, quite a few players from South Florida. And that's some of the beef that – you know, people have down here is that all these other schools, including the two other big three in state, are able to come well, down. Well, they're coming and down, and so is Louisville and schools like that now. I mean, they're coming down and picking off kids. So, I mean, you got and you got the other schools like look at Central Florida. I mean, you know, Tristan Payton, right? Pretty good wide receiver. Decommits mm-hmm. from USC and ends up at Central Florida. Yeah, a really big get for them. Uh, yeah, but I'm just know, saying, I'm not, not, not a knock on Central Florida. But I mean, my God, you know, you think you think Miami be in on the kid? <laughs> um, oh, well, I'm sure they were in on him. They just weren't weren't really able to land the guy. So, um, you know, that's that's the situation there, and that's how these things shook out. We'll know four or five years from now just how well everyone did on this day. We're gonna take a break. When we get back, we're gonna talk about the nuts and bolts of this thing, and that is. The high school football coaches, what is their role in all this? What should be their role in getting players recruited? Um, this That's something that's a big, big talk down here. It's uh, much debated, and, uh, you know, it's it's uh, a real heated, heated topic and leads to uh, a lot of moves that are made down here in high school football. So we'll talk about that when we come back for the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? 
Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We're back for the final segment of the uh, National Signing Day wrap-up. All right, well, listen, we've talked much about what the uh, recruits and the colleges uh, did on National Signing Day, which was on Wednesday. One area we have not touched on, which is, seems to be an area of great debate uh, down here in South Florida, is what is the high school coach's role in getting a kid recruited? You know, back in the day, which I'm old enough to start saying that now. But back in the day, uh, what would happen was you went out there, you played your, your, your high school football games, and the really uh, good players on the team that put up the stats and the numbers and all that good stuff uh, would get the attention of the recruiters when they showed up. And basically the recruiters would show up to the bigger-name schools, and if somehow they got wind of a kid at a school that wasn't so great, they'd make their way over there. Well, uh, you know, that's not the case anymore. Now we've got this thing called the Internet, and coaches can do a great majority of their work in recruiting sitting at their desktop or from their phone before they even arrive in any of the cities and where they're trying to pull these players from. And as a result, now there's a lot of jockeying and positioning by uh, various groups, one of those being high school coaches, others being uh, recruiting services, which are popping up left and right. And there are a number of ways now that players can market themselves. And it seems that, you know, players who maybe are not as good as some others are getting opportunities that others are not. And so it comes down to this. You have parents who get upset, usually around this time of the year, about the fate of their senior kid uh, when he doesn't sign a scholarship and doesn't have um, offers. And usually the blame is going to go to the high school coach. Emil, I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, my thoughts In this on day that, and age, I don't think you can blame a coach. I mean, you could say, hey, some coaches are better at others and do and do a more proactive job, I think, to get a kid a, a scholarship. But I think with what you just mentioned, the services that are out there, there's enough ways for a kid to get their film viewed by coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely agree with that, certainly, because um, that's what we do here. Um, but... Yeah, you can't – that's not part of a, college, a high school coach's job. If they do it, fine, that's great. If they're good at it, that's that's awesome too. But it's not part of that high school coach's job. It is their job to teach them the game of football. It is their job to teach them life lessons through the game of football and be a mentor. And it's also their job now when uh, college coaches show up to, you know, be a good host and show them – you know, the, the the players that are on the team. But if you think a high school coach can make a college coach offer a player 
um, that they don't really want to offer, you're mistaken. They can. However, those that engage in that practice are damaging their reputation, number one, or number two, are doing something even more sinister, which is really no good for the kid. An example of that would be, all right, hey, uh, Mr. USC coach, I know you really want five-star Jimmy Jones here, but for you to get five-star Jimmy Jones, I need you to offer um, no-star or one-star John Jackson over here. You're not going to get Jimmy Jones from us unless you offer John Jackson here. So Jimmy Jones, you know, maybe the coach relents, says, okay, we really, really want Jimmy Jones, so here's an offer for Johnny Jackson, if that was the name I used before. Right. So they get Jimmy Jones, Johnny Jackson goes in. Johnny Jackson's not playing at USC, okay? He's not going to play. I don't know if that was the intent to have a kid go to a school where he's never going to ever step on the field, but that's what's going to happen. So he's going to go in and I, ride. Can I make one other mention? If a coach is doing that, I find it borderline or not even borderline. To me, it's immoral because you're it holding happens. another player hostage. Mm-hmm. For for yeah. the lesser player, in other words, you're gonna you're gonna talk down maybe a, a school that a kid really wants to go to, mm-hmm. because you want to get some other kid an offer that that school doesn't want to give him. To me, that's that's immoral. And and it's part of what goes on in the recruiting process. So from the outside, it may be viewed by uh, parents who are paying attention to what's going on with recruiting, and saying, hey, you know that coach over there is doing a really really good job of getting his second tier and third tier players. Uh, into schools, but behind the scenes, that is what's going on. Um, yeah, and it's, holding it's, just, it's, it's wrong, and you're going to have a kid, as you said, more importantly, mm-hmm. you're going to have a kid go to a, a Florida or a Texas or a USC that is a two-star player and is more more than likely never going to step foot on the field. Um, if they stay, hang in there, maybe they develop enough that you know senior year or junior year they can see some time, but more than likely they're going to get frustrated and be looking for other places to go anyway. Yeah, and it's just a whole disruption of it where you could have done the work to try and get the kid to a school where he can actually have an experience playing because we're assuming he likes to play the game of football. And, yes, it might be a little bit more strenuous. It might take a little longer. You may have to go a little bit more back roads to get to that point, but it's a whole lot better than a kid getting sacrificed um, and going to a school where he's never going to play. And then the other part that you mentioned is that big-time player not really going to the place that's best for him, where he may have been best going to Texas, but Texas wouldn't play ball by offering the, uh, the, the, the no-star to two-star guy. So you, don't, you discourage him from going to Texas, and you send him over to Oklahoma because Oklahoma says, okay, sure, um, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll give the other guy an offer if you let us get this guy. And the situation balls down to maybe Texas is not in a situation numbers-wise to do it, but Oklahoma is, therefore they get the player. And the player doesn't necessarily go where he needs to go to, you know, get the yeah, optimum use. It's, it's, it's a bad practice. There's enough, uh, there's enough ways to get your video out there, to get your, your stuff out there, that enough coaches are going to see it in this day and age. And, and I'll say something. I don't think this is any great uh, – Revelation: The internet's done as much to level the playing field in college football as anything else. Between, you know, TV and the internet, think about it. Thirty years ago, the twenty or so or thirty or so richest programs always dominated because, mm-hmm. on top of always being on TV, which we've talked about, they also had the funds and the the infrastructure in place to go out and see these kids play football and do a better job recruiting, where the small school couldn't afford right. to have people all over the place. Exactly. 
it's what's allowed FTS and Division II schools to encroach on some of the territory of the bigger boys and grab a player and really get into their mind and say, hey, you're going to have a better opportunity playing with us here at this FCS or Division II school as opposed to just filing in there and being part of the rank and file at uh, some big-time school. Um, that's right. So, yeah. I mean, it's know, done a lot to even that playing field for, for, for schools, and that's why anymore, you know, there aren't a lot of games on a schedule. You know, you know, there's some, but there's not a lot that you can just check off automatic win because all these teams anymore have some players. Now, they may not have the depth and overall talent of the big boys, but if, on any Saturday, if if the big guys show up and they, you know, they were partying the night before, they're not taking the preparation that week seriously, they can get their ass beat. Yeah, no no doubt about that, that that could happen. But this, you know, getting back onto the whole high school coach thing, there are times when a player may have produced quite well. He was a great high school football player. But uh, from a standpoint of projection and what the college coaches want in terms of dimensions, height, weight, and all that, he doesn't fit that profile, and he's not getting the offers. And, uh, and oftentimes the parents, not totally educated on the recruiting process, feel that the reason he's not getting the offers is directly related to the coach not putting an effort in. i got to tell you this. Um, maybe this does happen because there's outliers for any situation, but by and large, there's no advantage to a high school coach not trying to get every last one of his seniors into college. It is a great thing for you to be able to say that every last one of your high school seniors went to college and were able to keep playing football. So there's absolutely zero reason for a high school coach to not try and get a kid recruited, not show him to any of the colleges, or do any of that. So no, if nothing you know, else, putting it's self-serving and makes him really look good. Yeah, no, I mean, not at all, not at all, not at all. And who wants that problem anyway? You really want to just coach football. So who wants the problem of the parents storming in there and making a big old deal about the kid not getting any offers when um, you could just as soon do what you need to do and try and get the kid into school? Sometimes it just boils down to they don't fit the profile of what the college coaches want. The five foot nine, five foot ten defensive end that had thirty sacks is not going to project well at the college level. Don't expect that kid to get an offer to Florida or Florida State. It's just not going to happen. Yes, he could dominate in high school. It's not you know, you've seen this you see this in the youth leagues down here. You got players that kill it in the youth leagues, they disappear in high school. That's just what it is. The next stage you know, and that happens, by coach. the way, that happens in every sport. I mean, you, you'll see that in baseball. A kid will have a dominant curveball in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe maybe he throws 77 miles an hour, but he has a great curveball. He's the best pitcher in the league. But that's not going to project to D- Division One college baseball or the pros because they understand that, you know, without the threat of being able to throw at 88 or 90 at least, the hitters can sit on that curveball and kill it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this thing, they need to understand this. It gets a whole lot more serious when you get to the next level. A lot more hours are put into this whole football thing when they get to the college level. So the six foot five offensive tackle who is getting beat, you know, play after play by the five foot ten defensive end, um, and you say, look at that. That kid's a five star, man, and he's just out there killing him. Well, there's about two hours two and a half hours devoted per day uh, to football by that left tackle. 
when that six foot five, two hundred ninety-five pound offensive tackle gets to college, and now there's a significant amount of more time devoted to his craft, he projects to being better. Well, he's going to ragdoll. Most likely, he's going to ragdoll your five foot ten defensive end. Two, three years from now, he's going to have him under tucked under his breast, like he's breastfeeding him, and it's going to be all over with. And the coach that came down to recruit does not want to be responsible for for. They don't want to be sitting in the meeting, Emil, and have everyone turn and look at them when they say, "How's that five foot ten defensive end that you got from down in Florida doing? How's he doing? He's uh, you know he's he's been a scout team player for four years now." And the death well, of all he, coaches, let me, you've let me touched say this, those chat something bigger though. To lose, they don't want to lose their Florida recruiting area. That is death to them. That they for 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 many reasons, Emil. You love to no, be down but you're touching on something bigger. There's a life mm-hmm. lesson here. It's not just about mm-hmm. the coach didn't get you a scholarship. Mm-hmm. The life lesson is when you're looking for a helping hand, the best place to start is at the end of your arm. So you want mm-hmm. to get an offer. Mm-hmm. Do the stuff that you need to do to make sure that people are aware of, you know, they have your game film, and that some, some schools come and give you an offer. I mean, if you did that, I think you're better yeah. off than relying on your coach. Yeah, exactly, and you take, care of, you take care of that early. The coach is able to help you along with the uh, efforts that you've done outside of it, then there you go. You've got, you've got two entities working for you. But listen, if, you're, if, if your quarterback is 5'9", five 5'10", you got to know that. Don't expect that coach to be able to get it all done. Go reach out to a trusted service. Go do some work on your own because you know it's going to take twice the effort to get that five foot ten quarterback into school somewhere, or get the five foot eleven defensive end into school somewhere, or the six foot one uh, offensive guard in, in somewhere. He doesn't fit the profile, so you're going to have to do some work. And don't throw it all on the high school coach. Get the help early. Get the help early. Not when he's a senior. 10th grade, if he's on the field in 10th grade. And usually, those dominant players, Emil, get on the field sooner. In high well, school. and also, I would say, don't don't get your mind stuck on Division One. There's nothing wrong with FCS or Division Two. I mean, sometimes absolutely, a kid can go there, develop, and if he's if he's the wrong size, but he shows he can dominate, you know, eventually you'll get to the NFL. L- listen, the outlier, the outliers who are good enough to play in the NFL find their way to the NFL. Yeah, and you know what, too, though, uh, parents will hang on to the outliers. They'll hang on to that stuff and say, well, look, so-and-so did it. Okay. Yeah, look, at Elvis, hey, Elvis Doomerville had 18 sacks. Elvis Doomerville is only 5'11". Yeah, Elvis Doomerville is an outlier in the NFL. There aren't a lot of 5'11 guys racking up 17 sacks in the NFL. It just isn't the prototype. If you look at the sack list of NFL uh, you know, defensive ends and tackles, they're all 6'2 and above. And then there's Elvis yeah. Doomerville. Yeah, so please don't latch on to these outliers and think that um, think that that's the norm and expect the high school coach to be able to do something off of that. So I really wish it is hard enough, Emil, to coach high school football in the state of Florida where your stipend uh, for doing it is going to be anywhere from 2000 to $3,000. That's what they get paid. And they're just not paid enough to be putting up with all of that other stuff that goes on. I mean, you would think that in all all the places, that's shocking to me. I mean, they even pay better up here. I mean, you would think in a place like Mm -hmm. Florida where they just produce tons and tons of high school talent that they get a little bit more money to do it. Oh, you would think. Uh, And a lot more than a little bit more. Uh, But that is the case down here. I mean, yeah, if you're teaching, you're going to get your teacher's salary, of course. Right. But the extra that you get for coaching – 
you know, for a lot of them, that's the number. It's around three thousand dollars. You got others who will get more than that, but so they're making about what? They're making about three dollars an hour or something. Oh, if that, if yeah. that, when you consider yeah. all it, because it's very competitive down here. So the less hours you're putting into this thing, you're all you're doing is spending time thinking about, man, what is my rival across town? How much hours are they putting in? Geez, we only got shit out food of workers were underpaid, huh? Yeah, well, there you go. You know, it's uh, very um, stitching Nikes in Thailand type hours. And <laughs> you're not and, kidding. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the case. So that's me on my soapbox about the high school coaches' role. Do not expect that. If it happens, great. Do your work outside of it. If your kid's six six, two hundred and eighty pounds or whatever, uh, you're probably going to be all right. But even still, you know, this is his future. You know, take. Take take the bull by the horns, let's say, and let's not put everything into the high school coach has enough on his plate. Have we made Please this, by the way, before we sign off, a little bit too much of a circus? What? The whole You're thing. Kidding? I mean, I just you know, I watched a lot of it on Thursday. I mean, I, I mean on Wednesday, I'm interested, of course. I mean, everybody who listens to the show knows I'm a fan. I mean, mm-hmm. I watched it, mm-hmm. and to me, it had almost a circus type atmosphere to it. Well, I did tell you that. Uh, D.C. Jefferson had an actual carnival. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, going there you go. Um, but but the toothpaste is already out of the tube, Amo. We're not going back. Oh, well, not I'm back. not. I'm it's, just. I'm. It's more of me just making a statement, it, it saying is. if you agree. Uh, and I will agree with me. your statement. Yeah, I will agree with your statement, and it's gonna. It's only gonna continue to progress. I mean, the kid, uh, the kid, uh, Raquan Smith, was it? Yes, the kid from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, five years ago, he would have just put on a hat. But that's sure. been done already, so now he's got to dig in the bag and get some gloves out, and someone next year is going to have to outdo him. Well, I don't know and if anybody's topping Marshall, man. And you know what's funny? Because you know how much I dislike ESPN, generally speaking, mm-hmm. other than the games they carry. I think the rest of ESPN's a joke. Mm-hmm. Nothing's better than ESPN sitting there, 4 4.15 announcement for Marshall, and he's one of the big crown jewels of the class, and they're all talking in the studio, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden they have to admit that the video's been leaked. <laughs> yeah, they already something. Uh, well put together. It was very well done. Production. Yes. It really was. And, um, um, I, and, you know, I'm not from Los Angeles, but if you're from Los Angeles, you got to really like that video and feel a certain amount of uh Well, you knew all the places, pride. right? I mean, I've seen all those many yeah. of those places when I've been out there. You know I mean? I mean, right. he, they did a good job. Yeah, you have to feel a good amount of pride, uh, what he did. So if someone wants to one-up uh, up him on that, um, then, you know, so be it, but uh, the the antics on stage, they're only going to continue. To How about an announcement for the Naval Academy, right? Like when Bush flew onto the aircraft carrier 10 or 12 years ago, we'll have a kid fly in on an F-18 and jump out with a Navy jersey on. Um, listen, it might happen before you and I get put in the ground, man. I don't put anything past it. I express to people that the day a kid playing youth football makes a television announcement about where he's going to high school, I think I'm going to just want to go ahead and... Go ahead and buy my plot and get ready to go down. End it there. People tell me that that's happened already. I'm very, very disturbed by that. But nevertheless, that's where we are in in, uh, this society. So, all right, man, we reached the end of another great show here. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Um, It was uh, a great week, Um, a very stressful week. I didn't get much sleep this week over this whole National Signing Day, and I'm still working now to try and get some uh, late bloomers and guys who didn't get signed into college. It never, never ends, so... Um, I'd like to thank you all for hanging in there with me and listening to the pre-signing day show and this wrap-up show with my uh, my uh, my co-host, my co-pilot here. Uh, We're Cameron. back on Monday, I assume. 
We are back on Monday doing our regular things and dealing with whatever comes our way over the next two or three days. I'm sure something very interesting will. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy your weekend. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.